This is Positively Hygiene with your hosts, Amber Lovatos, Amy Parenti, and Angela Doe. Listen on as we dive into the positive of dental hygiene. Okay, so I know the two of you are more involved with the speaking. Would either one of you care to indulge us on how you became a speaker, how someone could become a speaker if that's the route they wanted to take? Yeah, I mean, I think we just- I think the journeys are different for everybody. I think what's important is if you're wanting to become a speaker, one, to network and get started. So I would say number one, first tip, pick a topic. I would pick a topic that you know a lot about, something that you feel like I can talk about this for an hour, an hour, 30 minutes. Or uh, that you want to learn more about. Oh, that you, yeah. Or that you want to learn more about that interests you. Uh, you don't have to have a niche. Some people pick niches, but I that's personally... Uh, I talk only about things related to me and my life. So Latinidad, uh, abuse, um, public health dentistry, those types of things are things that are related to me in my life. Angela speaks on pediatrics. Dishimasco dystrophy. We do one on human trafficking. Yeah. Um, I talk about Asian American dental disparities. So yeah, picking a topic that, so that's one. Then I would go out and network. Uh, so there's two things. One, there's getting getting a gig. The other part is is getting paid for the gig. I say that a lot. Those are two different things. So one, um, getting the gig. But before that, we should talk about what you need to get the gig. So you're going to need abstracts, objectives, a bio. Angela, tips for writing objectives. Objectives you want to keep maybe about four to five objectives. And then you want to start it I, I don't think people list this anymore, but the point of the objectives is what is the attendee going to be able to do afterwards? So you can imagine in the beginning, it will say by at the end of this presentation, X, Y, Z. Um, and then you want to choose from a Bloom's taxonomy. So you can Google this and choose a different level. So are they going to um, analyze it, be able to discuss it, be able to identify? Um, you want your objectives to be measurable. And what is what What are they going to do at the end? Measurable would be like identify prior classifications. It wouldn't be the learner will be able to think about clear prior classifications because how do I measure thinking? That's where the Bloom's taxonomy goes into account. I would also do things like put them in order. So based on the Bloom's taxonomy hierarchy, you look, you'll look it up and it'll be like kind of like lower level learning verbs towards higher level learning verbs, put them in order from lower to higher. And thinking about like, if we're talking about perio, then you'd probably want to use a higher learning level verbs, um, like being able to analyze versus being able to identify because we all know perio. Abstracts. What's an abstract, Angela? An abstract is I would like a summary of what your presentation is, and this is really what's going to be. This is and it, this is important because it's going to be what's going to hook and what associations, groups, organizations are going to look at to choose you. You know, with your abstract, you want to have a review summary, um, highlights of what your presentation is going to be about. It doesn't have to be like, I would say less than half a page. Yeah. So they say about 250 to 500 words is what an abstract should be. On our bios, you know, I have my bio. I'm sure Amy has a bio. I make my bio specific to me as a speaker because there is their social media, Amber, Right. And I wouldn't write a bio of social media, Amber, but I would write a bio related to like my work as a speaker, where I've spoken, maybe my awards and maybe my like career in public health dentistry and 
maybe my history with abuse and working with survivors of human trafficking, that type of thing. Uh, make it related to you as a speaker and not so much just a general bio. And how long would a bio be? You should have different um, different lengths. lengths. Yeah. Because yeah. it depends what it's for. Some, if it's to advertise, you don't want like half a page. Some, if it's to introduce you, you don't want them to be sitting there reading for minutes. But someone, a lengthier bio, if it's for like a, a feature or something like that, um, or even for if you write articles, that has to be kept really short. I think like less than 150, 100 characters or something. Yeah. Um, so you, I, I was taught <laughs> um, that you should have maybe like three different sets of bios differing in lengths for the different purposes. And is this where do you always include a photo? Yes. A headshot. Yeah. 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 So I would get a headshot. I use shoot.com, S-H-O-O-T-T.com. And you get a free photo shoot. And then you just pay for the photos that you want to keep. You don't have to pay for all of them. Two T's at the end? Yeah. I know because I just did my taxes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I tax deducted my photo shoot. I need to refresh my headshot. Just saying. (laughs) Same. Me too. Um, Um, But usually when you submit for to get chosen to speak at your, you know, um, components, your constituents on the national level for. So is that how you would start? How, how would you start getting a gig to be a speaker? If I'm like starting out day one, how do I get, how to become a speaker? I would network. <laughs> um, I know that's so hard, right? Um, like where, where do you start? That's a great question, Amber. Um, I would look at the different, cause we all take CE courses. Um, and then, look at who is hosting them and contact them to see if they're looking for any speakers. Um, now, when you submit, you can submit a one pager as well, which that has your picture. It's like a resume, but for speaking. So your picture, your contact information, your speaking topics, if you've already spoken at any kind of um, meetings, organizations, and then your bio. Mm-hmm. with it um so that's a one pager so it's like a snapshot of who you are and then when if they are interested and want to inquire more then you can send them your objectives abstract and and go from there and then also ask around you know i know amber you talked about before like talk about yourself in the best mm-hmm. way advertise who you are advertise what you want to do social because social media is great for that yeah. And not just Instagram. I would say Facebook is actually really good. Uh, I've heard LinkedIn is really good because Facebook still has a lot of the OGs on there, the people who run the associations. And so they're more likely to be on Facebook than to be on Instagram. And a lot of associations now, they have Instagram and Facebook pages. Yeah. So yeah. you can just message them because it is someone within the organization yeah. that yeah. is running those pages. I would apply to speak at those hyg- big national conferences like American Dental Hygiene Association, where you're likely to see recruiters I would apply let me look on people's websites like I applied to speak at Midwinter I still haven't spoken there yet but I applied um, previously I would apply to speak at RDH under one roof that's where you will get hopefully exposure to companies looking to sponsor but also looking at dental hygiene organizations that might recruit you to speak for them so how Amber and I started well Amber you were faculty. Um, so you did some lectures to students, and but we spoke for our local um, association first. And so that's how we got that. We volunteered for our state organization and been able to network that way. And then word just gets out. So you have to just 
put yourself out there if you want to be a speaker and start. And you don't have to have your presentation when you submit. No, no. To sp- have an idea. Right now, you can apply to speak at RDH under one roof. I would absolutely apply. You can also go to the Texas Dental Hygienist Association website. They have a Google Doc, I think, that you can submit and be like, hey, I'm a speaker. I want components to consider me. But I would also then reach out to your local hygiene component, local study clubs in your area. You know, I don't necessarily believe in exposure work, but in the beginning, you might be, you might have to do some work for exposure as a speaker. Uh, now, one of the other ways that we did it, which I think is a little bit non-traditional, is we got a PACE approval and AADH approval. We started our own. <laughs> we start, we're like, all right, we're not getting speaking gigs. Cool. We're going to make, we're going to we build, build our, our own, own table, <laughs> right? We're going to have, we're going to start a study club. We will be the ones charging. We will be the speakers. We'll be the whole business. So that's also like always an option. You can apply to be a CE provider so that you can, you know, be the speaker and provide the CE course and and then charge people and then you don't have to depend on other people. It is hard work, I will say, hard work to get sponsorship or get people to pay. But when we first started, especially with the human trafficking, we would get a lot of business from that. But how do we get paid? So some associations do pay. Some, they have an honorarium. Some do not. So, or they have like a gift or something of the sort. From there, I had networked with companies I had a relationship with and it integrated into what my presentation was. It couldn't have been something completely off topic. And then I'm like, okay, let me segue five minutes to talk about this product. No, it had to integrate with what I'm already speaking about and something that I use and recommend personally for me. That is a requirement. And then from there talked about compensation or they would cover your honorarium. Yeah. You have to have maybe like a set number that you would like want to be paid. And we can talk about that. But a lot of times what'll happen is either the organization will pay you or they'll a sponsor will pay you or they'll pay you half. I at this point expect organizations to at least cover a portion of the speaking gig because then I feel like they have some skin in the game. If they're not contributing to this, then why would they promote it? Like then, you know, then I lose because my sponsor is paying me all this money and yet you have 10 people in attendance. Well, that's going to hurt my sponsor and I want to help my sponsor. But no sponsors want something in return too, whether that's you integrating their product, whether that's giving them time to talk before the presentation. And if it's in person, sometimes they want a table, sometimes they want um, leads, email list. list. So all that needs to be discussed with the sponsor and with the organization. But also know that you're not, for a course to be approved by like PACE, you can't say like oral B electric toothbrush. You can say, oscillating toothbrushes. You can't say like this specific toothpaste. You can talk about Stannis fluoride toothpaste. So you shouldn't be, if you're promoting products, you should be promoting all the products or using like generic type statements to talk about those things. Now on your slides, can you include Oral-B IO toothbrush or... You could, but you just can't. It depends how strict they are, it. but usually you sh- you really sh- shouldn't. And do you submit all your slides before you? Depends on the organization. Present? Okay. Some yes, some no. I personally do not share my presentation. Like if they ask me, like, can we share this? Like, no, I will give you a handout, but I'm not giving you my presentation because there have been people to know to like copy your stuff. Compensation wise, what should people expect if they're just starting off? So right now I know there's I so starting off me, um, I did two fifty. I think that was my thing for like. I think it was an hour and a half typically. So I have like my, I have different versions of my presentation to where they're an hour, an hour and a half and two hours. And that just sort of came along the way, um, depending on what I was speak, who I was speaking for. So starting out, I think I did an hour and a half 
for 250. Now I've grown far from that. And I haven't actually done a lot of speaking lately by choice. Um, I haven't really like sought out opportunities, but now I know people make thousands, thousands, like 4,000. So, I mean, honestly, if you expect me to go out, like fly out somewhere, I need $4,000 in my pocket. Um, and that's not, you. I also need my flight in my, my flight in my hotel covered. Like I need 400 profit, 4,000 profit for me. That's uh, consideration too, whether virtual or in person. But I've also been speaking since 2018. So, you know, um, and I've done a... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think virtually though, I get like probably like 1,500 for an hour uh, and a half. It's what I get, like a thousand to $2,000. I likely probably wouldn't do it for less than that. But also in the place of privilege where I don't need to work that much. So blessed to have work. I don't want to be overworked. I want to still have a good balanced life because you can be overworked, right? And so if it's just not worth my time, I don't care that much about money to the point that I want to be constantly working. And so I'm not going to take anything under, yeah, under a thousand. I probably wouldn't take for a virtual, but that is something I worked up to. When I first started, I was traveling for $250 from Houston to San Antonio to Houston to Austin. Like when I was first starting out, things were different. But but now at this point, yeah, I do expect a little bit more. But I know people who I think they probably, there's some speakers who probably make like 8,000. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, there's people who make a lot of money. It is sometimes hard. I feel like getting sponsorship is hard. Some sponsors might expect you to talk about all these products. And recently I had to tell a company, no, I, they, I asked them for 1,500 and they told me 1,000, but that I need to talk about eight of their products. And so I told them that's going to be a no for me because I don't also want my entire presentation to be products. Right. There's just like different balances, but really wanted to just come out here and tell y'all if you're interested in speaking right now's the time submit to RDH under one roof. Deadline is quickly approaching. Yes. yes. August 25th. Okay. Awesome. Is for the abstract. And again, that was the short half a page you said about. It, it says, just, so when you submit on there, it'll tell you how many characters, uh, particularly okay. for ADHA and RDH under one roof, it'll tell you how many characters. And I feel like right now, easy time to be doing these things, chat GPT it up, man. Like put it to chat GPT, <laughs> like write an abstract for this topic and then rework it to fit what you need. And to fit your voice. And to, and to fit your voice and like exactly what you're going to talk about. Don't just copy and paste that. You know, research how to write objectives, how to write an abstract, how to write a bio. And I mean, shoot your shot. Because if you don't shoot your shot, then my boss used to say, you're going to miss 100% of every shot you don't take. So yeah, that's our advice for y'all. If you apply and you get in, or if you apply at all, let us know. We'll be reading for you. Thank you for listening to Positively Hygiene. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram for the opportunity for how you can contribute to our podcast. And follow and review Positively Hygiene on Apple and Spotify Podcast.